When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, let's go Heat. Uh, that was a good win. We delayed the start of this for that. So uh, if you watched, uh, it was a good win. But let's talk about the team that's won a lot this week. Only two losses this past week. Um, where games in San Diego Cotter started, which is weird. We'll definitely talk about that. But um, it's, it's been a good week to be a Marlins fan. Um, two series wins. Of course, today was kind of a demoralizing game, but uh, you can't win them all. Uh, it would have been nice to have a sweep so early in the season, but we'll go back and we'll start in Philadelphia. Um, that was a series the Marlins absolutely needed to win um, coming off just the, the bad vibes of that Met series. And um, it, was a, it was a back half of the rotation, um, and, and, or middle part of the rotation, I should say, in that one too, whereas um, you know, Edwards been shaky a little bit. Um, I guess Rogers didn't pitch in that one, so apologies there. But it was good to see the bullpen working in that one. Um, good to see them win some close games. Um, you guys saw the stat yesterday, especially the Marlins are now four zero in one win games so far this season. So let's talk a little bit about that um, that series against the Phillies team that's reeling right now. But the Marlins really just took control of that series. It seems. Well, well the same place that we're going to end this like review is where we start with Sandy when Sandy performs as poorly as he did in that particular outing, having that one really rough ending. And then you, you feel like he has things settled down and yet it falls apart the very next time through the order that would obviously set a pretty bad tone for things and for them to salvage and win the series as like impressively as they did the rest of that was a big surprise in, in hindsight, but all things considered they got, enough offense. And, and I mean, so much of that was, that was the Luis Arise series. And he's already had like so many defining moments in a two and a half week span as a Marlin, but it was especially prevalent in that series, the cycle in the middle, but then also in the game before and afterwards, he was, he continues to be like the most clear difference between 2022 and 2023 is they have him in those infield positions instead of last year, where it was like a little, it was mediocre. And most of those plate appearances and that in itself, it gives them just enough offense where they're at least within striking range of league average. And uh, that that's what, as we'll get to this today, why today was so surprising. It was the first time they were shut out all season long. For the most part, um, more of the games have looked like that Philly series where they're able to occasionally manufacture enough. And then they get to this point in the season, they're getting even more over the fence power than we saw last year. Um, with Solaire hitting the most memorable home run in that series. I think he hit it in the final game. That's the one that tied up that game in the series finale. 
Soler home run that he hit against uh, Jose Alvarado at 100 miles per hour. To have him be closer to the version of Soler that we expected, um, that's huge as well. So as long as he has this recent back issue behind him, um, between those two in particular, those are the biggest differences compared to last year and the biggest reasons why you feel like this team is significantly improved compared to what they were before. Right, right. And there are two things that you pointed out there that I want to touch on. We'll get to the to kind of the, the lesser historical significance one here. But um, Jorge Soler, he's gotten off to a, a really good start. His exit velo is insane. Don't let that average um, fool you. It's not great, but he's making really, really, really good contact this year when his strikeout rate was ridiculous last year. So definitely good to see that. But you subtly mentioned it. I forgot to mention it. First ever Marlins cycle after 30 years. I guess 31 technically. 31 seasons, 30 years. The Marlins have their first cycle. And Louisa arrives 12th game of the season. Um, or at, as a Marlin, period. Um, just the significance of that. You know, does that kind of pave the way for maybe a guy like Jazz or anyone else um, to just make it more common to see this on the Marlins, or is it just going to sit at one forever, or could Arise even do it again? The fact that he did it suggests that a lot of people can do it because Arise was not a good candidate for this, considering how little power he has. Like in his whole career, what stood out about this home run, and it was noted at the time, is that he'd never hit a home run to the opposite field before. Because he's not a strong guy, just to be frank about it. He doesn't have that power to really drive the ball out unless he pulls it. And the fact that he was able to get that ball over, and that was what put him within a single of getting it done and really made everybody believe it was possible, that was unusual for him. That's why you mentioned Jazz. Jazz was my preseason candidate to finally get it done. And I think he even profiles as somebody that is more likely to do it in the future. I mean, the biggest impact of Arise getting that done is that you know, we were able to create a t-shirt with a breaking tea celebrating it that now people can pick. I'm going to share it in the space just to shamelessly plug our stuff. So that, that was the most, uh, I guess, the most notable aspect of it is that this was just hadn't been done before. 4,700 games worth of it. Um, I think on the podcast I was listening to, it must have been the one that Mike Petriello does for uh, MLB. Um, he was talking about like how, uh, you know, it must it was effectively wild actually that they were talking about how incredible it is that they even made it this far without having anybody get a cycle before. You would expect a team that's been around this long to get one like every 10 years or so and even a little bit more frequent than that. For us to be in this position, it is, uh, it's extremely improbable that they had to wait this long and you just couldn't have picked a more satisfying person to get it done, just considering how popular he already was. And now to have this attached to him and to have it do it just in time for the museum to open up at the park too, so that they could very quickly like set up something at that museum to celebrate that milestone as well. Uh, the timing was perfect and they needed it because without that cycle, I don't know if they win that particular game, the final score eight to four. And uh, so much of that difference was the runs that rise drove in and that the, the runs that he scored himself because he was on base, of course, all four times. Yeah, uh, couldn't agree more. I don't think there's a more deserving guy of it. Um, a lot of people talk about, so, of course, Mr. Conai is Mr. Marlin. A lot of people have done Miguel Rojas over the years. Senor Marlin. I think that might be Louisa Rizzo. I know it's early, but 
this guy has just been incredible for the team so far and uh, definitely excited to see what he could do the rest of the season. And if the Marlins are competing down the stretch, uh, he will be there and he will be one of the biggest reasons why. So we'll pivot to Arizona series, a series where we didn't see that much of him. But of course, he made the impact in that Saturday game. He was the difference to get that go ahead run as a pinch hitter. Um, uh, those first two games, that was just really determined Marlins baseball. Um, I, I did not get the chance to watch a Friday, but I watched the entire game Saturday. And um, I just I didn't really feel like a game the Marlins were going to win, especially last season. That was not a game they would have won. But their fight late in the game, I felt like it made the difference. And that's kind of been the theme in some of these um, low-scoring late games so far. They have really good perseverance, it seems. They, yeah. Yeah. Well, let me quickly just give the stat that I think several people have mentioned as well as the difference from last year is last year they were awful in one-run games, and this year they are undefeated in one-run games. So Saturday was the most recent example of that getting those key hits. All the runs scored in that game by off-season acquisitions. It was Garrett Hampson, and then it was Gene Segura, and then it was Arise. To see those two first ones get like some sort of high-leverage hit is, uh, is really valuable. And again, yeah. I'll just repeat it again. Undefeated in one-run games at this point in the season, that makes a big difference in how we perceive these first couple of weeks. Absolutely. Well, I'll get to Kevin here in just a second. I don't want to cut him off too much. But another statistic that that um, includes today's game, 8-8 eight and eight split. We split that right down the middle. Games where the Marlins have scored four or have allowed four or more runs, 0-8. Oh allowed or five or more runs, 0-8. Oh four or less runs, undefeated, 8-0. and no. So that's also a very telling aspect, too. And, um, uh yeah, I did say that that felt like a game of 2022 Marlins wouldn't have won, but you said it right there. It was all offseason accusations that scored in that game. Quite literally, the 2022 Marlins wouldn't have won that game uh, if it because they didn't really have those guys who uh, who perform well in high leverage. But Kevin, I'll go to your thoughts for this one. You were here for um, you, you were there on Saturday, so um, and you were there today as a fan. Um, just tell me some of your thoughts on what went down in Arizona, what went wrong today, what, what was so great about. Um, Saturday. Well, first Saturday, I mean, Eli mentioned it. It was it was pretty much a game for the offseason acquisitions, and you wouldn't have thought Garrett Hampson out of every one of those acquisitions would have been the one to put Miami back into the game. And if, I, if I'm remembering this correctly, he only had like a 13% chance to make that swing or make that, make that, get that as a home run. And then obviously, I mean, you have to give props to Braxton, who had a very nice start. He kept Miami in it. I mean, really, to be honest, the, the run he allowed, all those earned and all of that, it was still a sack flying the first inning. After that, I mean, Brax was rolling, struck out five, only walked one, which is something that's encouraging not only for, for Braxton, but every other pitcher in the rotation. Maybe besides Edward, who we, I would like to see one more star where he doesn't allow many walks, but guys not allowing walks. The bullpen besides Matt Barnes who I believe is the only one who gave up a run, was basically unstoppable, unhittable. Andrew Nardi came in to end it there. He had a very – he's been looking real good. I know we talk a lot about Andrew Nardi um, in our group chat, and he's looked good. You have Brazobon, who's been one of the better relievers for the bullpen. I mean, Skip really praised him on Saturday, mentioned he could really put him in any position. And then finally, Tanner Scott, who closed it out in the ninth. And, and when Tanner Scott mixes his pitches, he, he, he is a lethal man and – you know, this may have been one of my favorite games of the season, not only because of how important it was for the record to go to 500, 
But the way Skip managed this game, when you look at the position they were in, you knew Arise had that issue in the finger, but, you know, he spoke to the media after the game. He said how he was good to go, and they were thinking about putting him in the lineup, but they thought, let's hold off, but keep him as a pinch hitter. When you have a man on first and second with one out in the inning, you have Garrett Hampson, who, I mean, had the homer, and you replace him with Luis Arias. That was probably one of my favorite moves Don, I mean, sorry, Skip has made this whole season. Just putting him in that position and obviously having the confidence in Arias in that position where you know he's most likely either going to walk or get on base and or get a hit. I'm sorry. And he got a hit right down the middle, drove in uh, the runner on third, which I'm blanking out of who it was. It may have been Avi Garcia. Um, and it, it, it was just a perfectly managed game. And then Brazobon, who was going to close out, close it out in the nines, he started warming up. He noticed that it wasn't Nick Ahmed who was in, and they put in Pavin Smith. So he played He played the cards right. He put in Tanner Scott, and Scott got a strikeout, and then two, I think it was like a ground out and a pop fly to end the game. So Saturday was very well executed. It couldn't have gone any better for the Marlins, and it shows why this offense really is a lot more improved from last season. And then Sunday today, Sandy really did pretty much cruise through the first couple of innings, just gave up that, I think it was a sack fly as well. Um, where he just didn't look, you know, he, he looked sharp. His velo was up on every single pitch. There was a couple of, you know, pitches where his velo or certain pitches that they were up big time. And for example, the the slider was up, the, the four-seamer was up. Um, but, you know, he looked good. And then at the end, you know, he, he really did just, it kind of looked like he was deteriorating little by little and um, lost the control, just, just didn't look good. And, you know, Diamondbacks did what they do. And then finally, I mean, we saw the debut of George Soriano. I, I was I had to talk about this guy. Looked great. Uh, thanks to Jazz and Dela Cruz, who made some nice catches out there in the outfield. He looked great. Um, shout out to him. Very well deserved. Hopefully he stays up. Uh, most likely he won't because they need a fresh arm. He he went three innings of work. Um, struck out two. Didn't only allowed one hit. Uh, didn't walk anyone. Twenty five pitches. Uh, hopefully he stays. Probably he probably won't. Unfortunately, but. Uh, with Oker coming back tomorrow, most likely. But, you know, it was nice to see Soriano, who's one of the longest tenured Marlins, been with the organization since 2015, finally go out there and, and make his major league debut. And in the offense, there's not much more to say that it was it was pretty putrid. <laughs> I think that's the way we can describe it. And, it, and you know, the guys who hit usually, who usually hit, didn't make an impact today. Cooper with uh, with a single, Soler got a hit, Dilla Cruz, Nancy Guerrero got a hit. So I know Isaac's pretty happy about that one. But, um, yeah, just just a really weird game to watch. And obviously, you have to give props to Zach Allen, who dominated tonight. I mean, had the no-hitter going in until, I believe, the fifth, which is when Miami got uh, – when Brian Billy Cruz got the hit. Um, had a lot of his pitches up in velo. I mean, it's Zach freaking Gallon. So, I mean, the guy's one of the most underrated guys in the game. And he even got Cy Young votes. So, shout-out to him. Straight for Jazz. He got Jazz twice today. Um, and then – I mean, when you look at the offense in this game, they really, and I think Skip summed it up pretty well. These guys were getting good contact. They were making good contact, and but they were just hitting it right to these outfielders. And shout out to the Diamondbacks, who probably each one of their outfielders could play center field without an issue. So that goes to show how good their defense is in the outfield. Right. Couldn't agree more on that last, but there were so many hits I thought would get down. I just yelled at my television, like, well, why? And how do they keep making these catches? It, it was pretty. Remarkable out there, but then especially again, the jazz play. one. That jazz one, that was that was a that was a uh-huh. misread by Corbin Carroll, and he really adjusted well. So 
it, I thought for sure out. that was going to go over his head. The announcer yeah, stopped so as well. That just goes I to show how good way over his head. That goes to show how good how how good of a defensive outfield these guys have, which in the in the case where they could all play center field and, and, and they traded a pretty good outfielder and catcher defensively this offseason too and Dalton Varsho. Marlon exactly. got to avoid him this week. And I mean they they've got some talent out there in, in the field. Um no, no shortage of agility there. And real quick, you kind of mentioned it and you asked this question in the presser on Saturday. I'll ask you about it. Um the depth that the Marlins have and how Skip has been incorporating some of those guys into at-bats so that way they can get experience in those high-level situations. And that's kind of how Garrett Hampson was able to step up into that. Um, elaborate a little more on that and just um, you know, how valuable that is to this team. So you're the one who asked that. I figured I'd give you that one. Yeah, I mean, we saw yesterday with Hampson who – I Skip mentioned it. I mean, he doesn't want these guys to just to rot there in the bench. And I think that's probably the best way to put it. You want to play these guys as much as you can. That's what we've been seeing – a lot more Yuli as of late. Maybe that's why we saw a lot more of this bench play in this series against the Diamondbacks, and we saw it in the first game. They, I, I didn't watch the first game, unfortunately, but they they scored five runs in like a span of five minutes. Garrett Hampson, I think, got a double there. Gene Segura made an impact in this series as well. I mean, every, a lot of these bench guys really made us an impact, and Cortez didn't play, I think. I think he played yesterday. I don't know if he got a hit exactly, but, uh, I mean, these guys are making an impact. Yuli Gurriel, who I know many disagreed with the fact that he was up over someone like Jose Iglesias. Uh, he He's had himself a nice year so far, making especially defensively. Yuli, at his age, 38, you would think he would be used more in a DH role and just play first whenever Coop is, is out or something. But they've been pulling them both in the lineup, and it's very nice to see um, Yuli. I'm pulling up the stats right now. I don't want to load. He, he's just he's the one who's surprised me. Like, he's hitting for 300 and 323, not – 433. He has the WRC plus of 104. The league average is 100. And he's OPSing at 756. So, you know, for a bench bat or a backup player, that's pretty good. And he's only striking out at a 12.9%, which is usually his average where he usually lies around. So, Yuli's been impressive. Hampson just provides you the defensive versatility. You can play in the outfield, you can play in the infield, really anywhere. And then maybe, and then he has obviously Sanchez and I guess De La Cruz, who are kind of a platoon there. So it's it's nice to see these guys step up to the moment and you know skip play these guys at a, at a pretty good pretty decent rate. I mean, you know, last year with Donnie, we didn't see them play too much. Or maybe only on a Sunday game or on a getaway day you would see these guys play. But Skip has these guys in the lineup almost every other day, and it's it's nice to see. I wouldn't be surprised maybe if we see Yuli out there tomorrow or a little more this series. I don't think we saw him at all this series, and he was going to use him in the ninth, and he, he had a. He had a bat and a hel- the helmet on, so he was going to go out there and pinch hit. So it's nice to see them, you know, using this bench and kind of rotating that DH role, which is something that's very interesting. Last year, I know Donnie only stuck to these certain guys. This year, we've seen Yuli added, Soler. I think Avi Garcia has made an appearance as, as a DH. So. Cooper, Spina, Cooper, I think gotten a couple. Cooper, and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, I won't actually not rise. That would have affected his finger if he was a DH. So, I mean. We'll see how this goes, but uh, if Garrett Hampson keeps it up, he could try and find some more playing time at second base. Yeah, force a rise in the DH. Not saying that would be permanent, but if Hampson can find a way to stay at the major league level, that that would be an option. Uh, I I think I think we need to slow down a little bit on on Garrett Hampson and just remember where the where the discourse was like two days ago on Garrett Hampson when he had not yet reached base one time safely. Um, Garrett Hampson is not a good 
a major league baseball player. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that, but um, I understand the role that he's in right now. And I think um, the fact that he does have that unique ability to contribute in both center field and up the middle is kind of important. Although we haven't really seen much of him in center field to this point, because, um, because we're not going to sit jazz in order to play Garrett Hampson there, unless under very rare circumstances, I'll just say they could do. He's um, he does bring something to the table. Um, but Kevin even pointed out himself the measurables on that home run that he hit. That is um, usually not a home run when you swing it like that. It may maybe some stars aligned for him to make that particular impact in the game. I wouldn't expect too much of that from him moving forward. With both him and with Yuli, these are guys that. Other teams did not want. They signed minor league deals with the Marlins because they did not get major league deals from anybody else. So I'll just put that in there. Um, but every win that they get because of these guys, those all count the same. So for it's incredibly important until more of these this next wave of controllable young hitters in AAA really force the issue to come up. And we could we could point to one guy in particular that really is forcing the issue right now and paid in verdict. Until more of them do, it is important to have these kind of placeholders like this. And so far, they've been important for, as we've noted, for this team starting out at 8-8 eight and eight against a relatively tough schedule. So I'll give them credit for what they've done. I just don't want people to think there's too much predictive value in what you can expect from them moving forward. No, and obviously, I think Garrett Hampson, I'm not going to put too much stock into that. I mean, the guy, you, you would have never expected him to hit a homer. And I think it was you, Eli, who, who had put in the... In the season preview that you know 0.5 homers for Hampson and obviously he now yeah, he's over but he's definitely someone who's going to provide you that defensive versatility and you know a, a late inning bat when you need a fresh player off the bench yeah that's going to be a guy like Hampson or even a Yuli Gurriel who I mean they've been all right and for what they need it's it's you know it's fine and we, we brought up Burdick, um briefly, and luckily we've got Mr. Alex Carver in here uh, because he really is forcing the issue. He's been really, really good, and uh, we had some replies to this talking about you know what's going to happen with Avi and his injury. Uh, of course, Jesus Sanchez hasn't been ideal. So well, while we've got Alex in here, uh, of course, we could talk about Burdick and any other guys that are performing right now. Another one of the, the fish on the farm um, guys, I should say, and, and Kevin's been high on him too. I even like the player as well. George Soriano, awesome debut today, really good stuff to help um, save some bullpen arms for um, for San Francisco and uh, Cleveland coming up to make sure everyone can stay fresh. So, Alex, if you're there, um, what's been happening with Burdick right now? What's going on with the Jumbo Shrimp? Uh, you know, could they really force the issue and uh, you know, make kind of like what happened to LeBlanc last year? You know, is he going to force his way into some playing time maybe in, uh, or at least a spot on the major league roster? Yeah, Grant. I mean, tough decisions need to be made at some points in a Major League Baseball season. Um, this guy is leading the International League in home runs in a park that's not easy to hit home runs in with an OPS over 1,200. And you have a guy like Jesus Sanchez, who, yes, is out of options, but he's he's really struggling. So um, there comes a point where tough decisions need to be made. Um, and like like Eli said, this guy's forcing his way onto this team, and I don't know how much longer they can they can afford to ignore that. So, yeah. Real, real um, quick, Jesus Sanchez sort of did the same thing back in 2021. He got off he did. that. Awesome, he did. Awesome, and he's gotten awesome his start. And he got his chance. And he's, you know, the league's kind of adjusted to him. And he's not adjusted back. Um, and he's he's really, really struggling. So, um, so yeah, I mean, when you look at everything together, 
Um, you kind of got to look at it and say, okay, well, we want to win baseball games right now. Who's going to help us win baseball games right now? Um, I would say Burdick uh, is the guy that that could definitely do that. Um, plays all three outfield spots, can do it in center field if he has to, more of a corner guy. But this guy's good, man. Got all the power in the world. He's going oppo more. Uh, as we see in these in these shrimp games, you look at his home runs, a lot of them are opposite field. Um, one of the strongest guys out there. So, um, yeah, it covers the zone a bit better, I think, than Sanchez as well. So this guy's going to going to be a guy that they really got to look at and say, okay, well, this guy's got to be here. Who's going to go? I think it may be Jesus Sanchez, but we'll see what they do. Um, I'm working, I'm working on an article on this, you know, just the, just the reasoning to call Peyton Burdick. This guy is, he, he is smashing that baseball. And not only that, he's getting on base as well at a 407 on base percentage. This Payton Payton Burdick is really forcing, trying to force his way in big time to that big league roster. And, you know, he was having himself a very nice spring before that toe injury he had. And another point I want to shout out on the Jumbo Shrimp that maybe someone who we could see at some point is CJ Hinojosa, who he is is lighting it up in Jacksonville 385, 419, 718 with an OPS of 1.137. Already has three homers, 12 RBIs. Uh, only striking out at a 14% rate, 7% walk rate. That's definitely, I know, a player that I'm going to keep an eye out on. Maybe as a nice bench bat, he would be nice, especially a late-inning player. Um, he's someone who I want to keep an eye out on. But the one that's forcing his way up right now, the young prospect we should take in more stock in, is definitely someone like Peyton Burdick, who is putting up a 182 WRC plus in 13 games played. So very, uh, very encouraging to see and very nice to see that He's someone who's forcing his way up to the big leagues. Just kind of, I'm not going to say it's like we saw Jordan Walker in spring training, but he's definitely, it's definitely, it kind of reminds me of that where he's just hitting his way back up to the big leagues. And, you know, although it's a 35% strikeout rate, he's still walking at a 10% rate, which usually I think you see these high strikeout rates followed by high walk rate with with these power hitters. We saw it in Solaire last year where he kind of almost mounts to that 10% rate or almost surpassed it just by a little bit. And that's a good point. And um, I, someone had replied to me uh, a tweet of mine the other day, or it was probably maybe last week uh, during the Mets series, if I said, you know, at this point, why don't you just bring up a verdict? Like, you can't be that much worse than what was at the time really bad. And someone replied that, you know, he's striking out a lot and usually high strikeout rates in, in the minors just – or death sentences. Wouldn't say it's a death sentence. It's not a good thing to have, but there's plenty of guys that have had high strikeout rates in the minors, have very, very successful uh, major league careers. Ryan Howard comes to mind. I think Votto at one point even had an insanely high strikeout rate, and Joey Votto is known as one of the most patient hitters of all time. So it's not a death sentence, but again, Peyton Burdick's got the power, and um, I, I think that is one other aspect the Marlins need, even though they've been hitting really good amounts of home runs, especially early on in the season. I feel like getting um, getting some more power in this lineup would, would definitely be useful. I don't know where Kevin went. There he is. Um, but, yeah, I, w- I would love to see Peyton Burke at some point. But um, it's also early, so I don't know what uh, that means for a guy like Jesus Sanchez who's out of options. I don't know how wise it is to give up on him this early. Uh, I also don't know how you could really ignore what's happening with, um, with Burdick and and maybe the Marlins luck into a situation where um, Avi can go on a 10, 15 day IL stint and um, give Burdick a chance and see where that goes. But um, 
Don't know. If you guys have any thoughts on that, we'll talk about that before we get to um we get to the Sandy stuff. Yeah, I wanted to quickly mention that Avi Anil had a contusion today. He got hit by a pitch twice. So I don't usually a contusion won't require an IL stint, but if this one somehow does, uh, Payne Burdick should be the one on the flight to Miami or the car ride to Miami because he he's gonna get a he I mean he deserves it. He definitely does. He's a forty man guy, so just bringing him up won't be an issue. You can bring him back down. He has minor league options, so that's not an issue. Kevin, but again, Kevin, the contusion does not require a, a, an IL stint. I'll just say that um, the team. The jumbo shrimp are in Charlotte right now, so if it's a car ride from Charlotte down to Miami, oh, that that that'd be a, that'd be a pretty tough break for my guy. You know, that's kind of a win and also and also a, a, a rough break for him. To, I don't know how long a drive that is. That's got to be at least 10, 10, 12 hours, something like that. It's yeah, it's around that. I didn't know they're in Charlotte. That's my bad. yes. In the, yeah, in that same vein, the reason why you don't typically see like high profile DFA's at this time of year and you don't see trades is because of injury risk. Injuries happen in this game. <laughs> You mentioned the obvious situation, and even with Solaire just this past week, a little scare with his back, which we know is what kept him out for so much of last season. I think odds are it won't be all that long until one of those outfielders, the five outfielders, those veterans, plus Jazz and DLC and Jesus, like odds are one of them will go on the IL at some point this year, if not more than one, if not the majority of them at some point. So there will be an opportunity for playing time without them having to get rid of, of everybody. It, it will be a tough call, though, if they stay, if everybody avoids those injuries and you see those two guys in particular in Jesus and in Avi, if they continue to perform so poorly and being those two being limited to the corner spots, whereas Burdick at least can fake it in center field. He was a player that coming into this year, I was really confident in Burdick getting a lot of time up here, staying up here once he gets called up and doing a lot better than he did this time last year. And yeah, so everything I've seen from him this point this season still makes me really confident despite the strikeout issues. He's, he's an imperfect player, but I think he's certainly an upgrade over those two aforementioned names. Little Marlins fans will come to like this guy by the end of the year. I think we've called it out Eli on other spaces or other shows that like, even if this guy strikes out, which yes, they're swinging miss to his game and he's going to strike out. Like that's part of Peyton Burdick. He's a very physical player. He's going to strike out like, like, it's just if you want to accept, if you're going to accept Peyton Burdick, you're going to accept some modicum of strikeouts. But I mean, man, if he comes up and continues to perform how he's done in in AAA or even close to it, then man, you take it and you absolutely take that over what Sanchez is doing and Avi, who apparently now is injured with the hit by pitch today, which hopefully he gets better. But man, even when he was healthy, wasn't doing great. Unfortunately, we love the swim slim down version of Avi. Version of Avi, we were like, man, this guy's going to be good, and then. Here he is, and he's yeah, he's getting paid, but he's not really performing. So, like you said, I mean, yeah, it's 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 easy. Like Kevin said, usually this injury doesn't require an IL stint. It's kind of easy to take your time when you have a guy like Burdick that's that's down there in uh, the minor leagues performing the way that he is. So, um, so yeah, I mean, the guy's going to be here at some point, Burdick, and if he performs, it's going to be impossible to send him down. I think, like, if he gets close to what he's doing right now in AAA, it's going to be very hard to send him down, and that's where your tough decision comes into play. And it's not only the homers. I mean, he he's making good contact in general. He's getting on base at a very good rate, and you know, I really and I, as as you said, he's going to swing and miss, but he's someone who's going to get on base, and he's doing it at a four hundred seven rate. So it's not it's not only the power that I look at with Burdick. I also look at you know his um his contact ability. 
Agreed. So we'll move to the pitching side here. This will be our last thing before we get to uh, the best part of this, uh, the fan questions. But um, I guess a good problem to have is your only two losses in a week being ones where your reigning Cy Young winner has um, has been pitching it. But I wouldn't say it's necessarily been problems um, since it's kind of just been unlucky because um, his Sandy Alcantara's fit so far this season it's pretty solid. It's a, it's a 306, um, I think, heading into this game at least. I don't know if it's changed. Um, we'll get an official stat on that, I'm sure. But um, two shaky starts for Sandy, two losses. Um, he's got a really big matchup coming up on Saturday, projected to face Shane Beaver. Um, I, might, I will probably be there. I don't know what the, what the credential situation is like yet, but that's going to be a titanic matchup. But what does Sandy do to get back on track? He's a pretty mentally tough guy. Um, and these early season struggles, he's, he's had rough starts the season before, but I doubt that, um, I doubt that it lasts. So what, what kind of went wrong for Sandy this week? And, um, you know, what, what does he have to do to fix it? Just how much, I mean, I don't know. It's very difficult. I think Eli's probably the best, uh, equipped to answer this question because Sandy cruised, he cruised. I mean, besides the six, if you take out the six inning and you, I mean, you even keep that running. He still struck out. I think it was nine. He struck out and didn't allow a single walk. So I mean, I it's hard to see. Maybe not keep him in the game as long, and that's going to be hard to say because Sandy's someone who wants to go all nine. But um, Skip is definitely someone who's given the most lead. He's the, Skip has given Sandy the most leeways. What I've noticed, and it's good. But we saw it in Philly. He didn't take out Sandy until he allowed nine earned runs. He didn't allow, take him out until he allowed, what was it, uh, five runs, only four earned. So I guess it's just keeping him out there and letting him fix things for himself. But Sandy probably says it himself. I haven't listened to the post game, but Sandy is probably going to tell you that he thinks he, did, he was good until that six. He felt like everything was clicking. Maybe it was just a control issue for Sandy. I don't know, but it's just at this point, I, I it's hard to say to know what's happening because when your velo is up big time, because it was up pretty, it was it was up like almost almost two full miles on some pitches, and you just got to keep going out there and fix it for himself, I guess. Work through his issues. The, the changeup was non-existent um, in the start, is what I well that too. Yeah, so that he too. It just didn't have it. So he did not have that pitch. It's one of his better pitches that I would say that he's built on for a while, um, didn't have it. And, you know, when you don't have that pitch, you know, you got to go to the fastball and the slider. And, yeah, they're good, of course, because it's Sandy Alcantara and he has great pitches. But overall, I think he just, you know, had to challenge a bit more than he wanted to because he didn't have that the wrinkle of the changeup. And it, it kind of it kind of ruined his day ultimately. So that, that was my takeaway from this start. I think he's going to be fine. I mean, it's early in the year, like we've said multiple times. This guy's going to be fine. Um, so, yeah. File it away and, and move on. It's hard to Agreed. calculate what, like, how that error that he committed in that sixth inning to begin it off, how that contributed to uh, the snowball effect and those other events that happened afterwards. That was he, pretty he, bad. he started that inning with getting exactly what he wanted a, a ground ball that was right to Cooper, and Cooper even made the good throw to him that he just dropped, and that how that whole ending could have gone differently potentially if there was not that runner on base you, you don't know it, it's hard to reconstruct it what happened after that was you just saw a lot of legitimately hard contact against him 
any home run against him at Lone Depot Park is extremely rare. So that, and that's what Coral, uh, Corbin Carroll got him to uh, really put the exclamation point on that rally. Overall, I'm just yeah, the I'm with you guys in that if he's fully healthy and he certainly looked fully healthy in this game, then uh, I trust him to figure it out um, once we get a bigger sample of him. Just something to point out, and I know Kevin will appreciate this. I don't know if you guys already talked about it, but I'm going to talk about it anyways. Shout out to George Soriano. I mean, this guy in his big league debut comes in and turns in, what was it, like three innings or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And his three slider, innings, two strikeouts. His slider is just so nasty, man. Like, that's one of the better sliders in the org. I mean, yeah, this is a relief ceiling, but that, that slider is so good. Uh, and then he's up to like 95, 96 with a fastball and changing eye levels. This, this guy's good, man. I mean, this guy should have... They called him up, what, like three, four days ago, and this is the first time that he's pitching, which I don't know why that is, but I guess, I guess, I guess he just didn't get his chance yet. But he got his chance. And with Oker coming back soon, he might have to go back That's down. That's true. Who else they will? Yeah. Now, yeah. Now, yeah. I, I was saying it. I was saying it, Grant. Like, with Oker coming back, Oker threw two innings, I think, last night in AAA and looked very good. He's ready to come back. So maybe this is a one and done for George. But, man, this was, this was an impression that he made by saving the rest of that bullpen and turning in three very good innings. Um, yeah, it was a losing effort, but man, he, he held it down, man. And, and this guy's, this guy's solid. I really love that slider. He's up to like, what, like ridiculous, like 2,800 on the, on the, the freaking spin rate with the slider is crazy. This guy's good, man. Um, yeah, I really like George. I know he's a two pitch guy mostly, but this guy's, this guy could be really good if he gets his full shot. Yeah, and it does. hundred percent. If you're going to have two pitches, definitely got to get that below up. Maybe if he goes back down, that's something he can work on, but. He's had some really good stuff. I think that's been my favorite reliever in, in the minors. Because um, for months we've been talking about, you know, we feel like the answers to the bullpen are within the organization. We kind of saw that, or I haven't seen that, as the bullpen has had a really good start to the season. But uh, George Soriano, I think, has been the guy that I've been most excited about and uh, excited to see what else he's got. Yeah, and it, and it really does suck. He's probably going to be the one, and you know, he will probably go down. And, and that's probably why they put him out today, just so he can get a couple innings in. But um, it just sucks, man, because I do like Soriano a lot, and I think he could really stick at the big league level. At this point, it's either him or Smeltzer. He, he'll be back like, soon at some point. He will. Because the reality will. is not everyone's yeah. going to stay healthy throughout the entire season. It's such a hard spot, too. Like, like It's like, oh, yeah, go go ahead, kid. Your, your ace struggled. You know, you're, you're down five runs. Go do your best. And, and this guy gets in there like, in the worst scenario that he could face in his big league debut. Gets his first strikeout. Like, didn't phase him. Like, he was totally fine. So it shows a lot of poise. Um, really just the ability to get out there and, and get it done in his big league debut in a bad situation is impressive. So um, I hope I hope the organization realizes that, too. Yeah, and again, unfortunately, he'll go down, but he'll definitely be back up. He, he made a very nice first impression, showed he could do it at this level. So, um, yeah, I mean, not much more to say. I mean, at this point, you probably want the fresh arm. In that case, your long-relief fresh arm is Devin Smeltzer, so they're probably going to keep him up here. And uh, Oka will be back tomorrow if everything goes well, with what we assume will happen in the roster. Moves. Well, with the weather, Noah's been talking about it. Don't know if, when he will actually get back, but we, we'll see over this week, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Um, anything else you guys have before we get to the fan part? Anything else we want to point out that's happened in the last <laughs> week? I feel terrible for the Giants right now. Oh, yeah. yeah that, that might play into a whimper Miami tomorrow, though. They get in late. Maybe there's – well, were they just 
in Detroit, or was that series out in St. France? So they were in Detroit. And they were in Detroit. The so I was going to say, if they hadn't adjusted yet, that might actually work well for them time zone yeah. wise. But they're not supposed to be until midnight. I could definitely benefit the Marlins tomorrow. Late night sleep. You got to wake up and all of a sudden face Hazel Lazardo, who's one of the hottest pitchers of baseball right now. That doesn't sound like a fun day. Yeah. But, um, rough. Yeah. All right. So anything else from um, just from the week that we want to recap real quick before we uh, we get to the fan stuff? No. I mean, I, it's very encouraging to see the offense play how they did this week besides, I guess, today. And yeah. Like, I mean, the, the vibe is definitely different today than they were this time last week. Even, sure. Even the Philly game where they got crushed, they still put up a couple of hits and scored a couple of runs. But that was in the late innings against probably like some reliever who we've probably never heard of, and I don't remember that right now. But yeah, is this the first time that the Marlins have been shut out all season? Yes, that's what I thought. I wasn't one hundred percent sure because there's been a few low scoring games. Yeah, so that did surprise me. Although you don't have to look back far to find they had back to back to back games where they were held to one run each. There were <laughs> there were things to be worried about this offense very recently. Is so it's not like this is anything new to have these particular days where. They don't get anything done in this um, department. Just as you said, to circle back from, I think, one of the first things we talked about with today's game um, about the quality of contact that the Marlins were making against Zach Gallon. This was not the typical scoreless effort from the offense. Like they, There was some bad luck, and that's just going to happen uh, from game to game, time to time. They had a higher hard hit rate in this game than the D-backs hitters did, according to StatCast. Their expected batting average in this game was like 20 points lower than the D-backs. It was in the 260s. If you replay this game a bunch of other times, um, I think it's much more competitive than the final score actually turned out to be in this particular case. Yep. Agreed. That, 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 um, that six inning for Sandy, I mean, that was just kind of a freak inning, not one you really expected. And, you know, had he um, fielded that um, that little toss from Cooper, um Maybe things go differently, but it's a 162-game season. I don't think they'll dwell on it too much. I trust Sandy to bounce back. He's going to be at another big spot on Saturday against Beaver. I'm pumped for that game. Two Cy Young Award winners. He's had some really good uh, pitch duels so far this year between him versus Scherzer um, and then him versus Gallon today. And uh, But without further ado, we'll get to, uh, to our fans' question part. But first, I have to plug it every single time. Consider becoming a super subscriber, super follower, whatever you want to call it. It's $3 a month. It's the lowest we can make it. And it's all access to everything that stripes. Contests. We have uh, we have the, the t-shirt contest for the, the jazz t-shirt coming up. Giveaway. Um, you get all access to the gift database. You get game notes straight from the Marlins for every single game. Get um, get your reading in before, uh, before the game. Get to make series predictions with us. We have the series prediction leaderboard updated on the site. Almost every single super follower is doing better than me right now. Well, um, I've been off to a rough start. Um, you get to play fantasy sports with us. We have a fantasy baseball league solely for super um, subscribers. Um, some of them played fantasy football with us last year. Romeo is about to get into the space here once I'm done plugging this one bat league. Um, so many different prizes you can win, all for just $3 a month. It's absolutely worth it. So, uh, and the reason why we plug it during this is because you get first priority to speak in these spaces. Anyone who wants to ask a question um, can get in, but we will give priority to those who pay the $3 a month. So, uh, Romeo, how are you doing tonight? Um, what's the question tonight for us? 
And and am I the only one that thinks um uh hello uh, one one thing before I say anything, right? Am I the only one that thinks Sandy's tipping his pitches and it it like takes a, a I did see I, someone suggest that he might be tipping his change up. I don't know who said that. I didn't really pay too much attention to it, but I saw someone suggest that. I don't know how accurate that is. So because all his runs, like if besides the sack fly, all of his runs come in one bunch of an inning, and it's like around the second or third time around the lineup. Like it was like the fourth inning, right? The last time they were still hitting him, but like there's something that the, that the Philly sees that because every time he goes there, besides like a couple of the like, rear stents. He always gets hit there, and it's something that they see, and I'm starting to see it in other teams. And I feel like it's something that he needs to. I feel like they need to figure out what, during these like last five days before they go to a competitive Cleveland team. I'll just say that's possible. I'll say it is more common for teams to come into a game already with particular things um, that they've scouted ahead of time that suggest tipping, and then they try to pursue what their advanced scouting and what their video work shows. And then that stuff usually shows up. It could show up immediately early in the game rather than a couple of times through. There are other cases, as you point out, where guys go in without any clear idea and then they pick up something their first time up and use it to their advantage later on. But I I think it is more common for people to do their research ahead of time and to come in already knowing what that indicator should be. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know if like his, there's a whole lot of, evidence there that this is the case i think he's gonna be fine i think he's gonna be fine too um um yeah jesus sanchez he's he's got he has to go down he needs to figure out something he needs to find something that helped him beat brent brown here's the thing though is it's a tough spot because they they can't exactly send him down i would presume that one of the other 29 teams put in a claim for him i don't think he's gonna clear waivers and he doesn't have any options. So, oh, he doesn't have any options. No options. Oh. The only the only outfielder the Marlins have, I think, that has any options that would realistically be in a spot to go down is De La Cruz has one. But uh, De La Cruz has been one of the best hitters on the team so far this year statistically. So that's definitely not going to happen. At least now, or now, he's been off to a good start. Noah's here. I'll, I'll give De La Cruz his flowers. He's he's gotten off to a really good start this year, especially recently. But yeah, to your point. Um, you can't really send Sanchez down. They're going to be in a really, really, really tough spot. You almost have to hope that someone gets injured so that way you don't risk losing someone in order to get a guy like Verdict or maybe a guy like Jake Mangum that time. And if you do send down, if you do DFA Sanchez, most likely he gets DFA'd. I mean, any, there's teams who would love to have a guy like Jesus Sanchez on their team probably fix him or fix whatever... He has talent, 100%. It's just his exactly. swing. His swing yeah. looks a little bit better this year. Last year, I shook my head every single time he took a hack at the ball. I'll be 100% honest. It, it was it was pretty ugly to see, but he's got that power. I mean, he hit literally the longest home run of the MLB season last year. Granted, it was in course field, and so you have the course tax. But th- this guy has power. Um, I just think there's a few things that he needs to be taught, and um, he could be fine. But... Um, I just don't think that'll happen in Miami. I, I'm definitely under the belief that he would go somewhere else and succeed, but um, I, I don't think it'll happen in Miami. But it's also not something you want to take a risk on yet to, to get rid of him this early in a season. The thing he, fixed, thing he hasn't fixed, Grant, is that it's pull side power or nothing. Um, you know, if he, if he gets busted inside, especially up, he's he can't hit the ball. Like it, That's just it. And then they change his eye level and they go low. 
like you saw today with his strikeout when he just went fishing way far out of the zone. He can't like the, the play vision is, is is horrible. If he if he runs into a pitch and gets the bat on the ball, yeah, it's gonna fly, like you said. But man, uh, it's pull side power or nothing. That's always been his crux is that he can't really go opposite field much at all. Um, it's kind of permeated to his big league career this year. Um, I can only think of one oppo home run Jesus Sanchez has ever hit. I think it was that that game tying home run in Cincinnati last year. I think. Was that Oppo? He hit that out the right field. I don't know. But, yeah, you, you're right. He doesn't really have that that kind of full power. But um, I, I think there's a lot of things that Jesus Sanchez could be taught. I just don't know if that'll happen in Miami. But at the same time, I feel like he's also a valuable enough asset to where you don't want to get rid of him three weeks into sure. the season. Yeah. 100%. But it, it is a business you, you want to put the best team out there. He's off to a bad start, but then again, just like Jazz was saying on Twitter last week, wait for thirty games. Just, just wait. Um, yeah, and it's I don't know like if he'll fix it too. against San Francisco. I don't know if he'll fix it against Cleveland. I don't know if he'll fix it against Atlanta. I don't know if he'll fix it against Chicago. That's but, pretty bad, dude. That would, that would be pretty bad. Yeah, that would be that would be too long. But that yeah, would, yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's what you like that. I think it's like Eli said, like, you know, you're going to have guys that get injured, right? Like, you see Avi, you know, with the head by pitch today, he, maybe that's an injury. Uh, who knows? Um, so, you know, you're going to need guys anyways, regardless, right? You're going to need this depth regardless. So a guy like Burdick's going to get the first shot. So the thing is, when guys are healthy and guys are fully healthy, what do you do? Especially if Burdick comes up, like, let's say Avi goes, to, this is just speculative. Let's say Avi goes to the injured list, Burdick comes up. Burdick performs and hits, you know, let's just say two home runs in seven games, right? And and walks and shows that he's not completely dependent on contact or strikeout, and you got to keep him up. Then what do you do? Then it's a question, right? So, yeah, I mean, there, there's things in play here, though. There's injury in question. There's, there's depth in question. There's not wanting to give up on a guy too early, like you said, in question. But Santos has got a shot, man. He's gotten his full shot, and he's not been great with that full shot is, is what you can say. You can't say this guy has not gotten his chance. And I think it's a lot of what Alex has said that the league has adjusted because 2021, Sanchez was pretty good. He showed that he could be a pretty good major leaguer in this league and he could be an everyday guy, but league adjusted in 2022 and we saw what we saw and now it's after a pretty alright spring. I mean, it wasn't anything crazy, but it was good. I think Peyton Burdick had a better spring if it was me. If it was my, if it was my call, but um, he just hasn't shown much, and it, it's not only stressful to see because you want this guy to succeed. He's a great kid, great guy. There's not much more to say. Great locker room presence, I would say, in my opinion. Gets very well, along very well with everyone on that team. I mean, I think this is probably one of the better clubhouses we've had in the past couple of years, but um, you want to see him succeed here in Miami, but if that's not it, I mean, I guess trade him. That obviously be seeing what Alex said with the injury designation to Alvi and you make your couple moves there and Burdick impresses, which I think he will. And I know Eli's pretty high on Burdick as he put it in our both predictions episode that he would hit 15 homers in the major leagues. So maybe you do get some nice value for Sanchez. And we've seen Kim, she's been able to pull off some, a couple of trades in the offseason. She traded Eliezer for a nice reliever. The fact that she got Eliezer off the roster and she got presumably the Marlins closer for struggling J.J. Bleday. She's made some really yeah. good one-for-one swaps of gaunt players. And 
I don't know if you necessarily say Jesus Sanchez is a dump. Maybe you do. I mean, I don't think. I feel like that's I mean, being a little mean, but at the same time, I feel like she could she could uh, find something. I don't know if you want to make a trade that early. Then again, we keep talking about it. it is really really early. That's why you don't really see trades this early in the season. But the Marlins have made trades early in the last few seasons. I feel like the the relievers, um, the reliever trades in the last like couple of years, you've seen those in May or so. And I know it's only April, but if you're in the case where you have to designate Jesus Sanchez for assignment, maybe that's the route you take. Kim is known for making trades pretty early on in the year. I know she traded like was it Payne? It was Payne Henry last year. She traded. I forgot him about like, the Henry trade. I was thinking about. Was, I was thinking about the Adam Simber trade. I can't remember. If that was twenty one or twenty two. I believe that was twenty one. Tw- that was twenty one. But that was that was that was around. That was pretty close to the deadline, if I recall. I feel like that was in like early June, maybe mid June. That was. I know. First I know trades the, of the year. I know the Payne Henry one was very early on, and that was like a couple of weeks in where so they. We're got... thinking about an incredible trade that she made. I mean, you don't didn't really get anything for her, but she did get incredible. Alex Jackson off the roster. Incredible is Alex Jackson. That was a nice trade. Uh, I think I think that was nice. What did they get? Hayden? Was that Hayden? Was that the Hayden Cantrell trade? Eli? Then they traded Cantrell to. I I, I I think you guys are getting off topic, and you should let. Well, we are. We should let the others speak. Yeah, we definitely are. This is true. This is true. But we did go off on a tangent. It was a good question. I, that was definitely a really good lead-off question because that is definitely on everyone's mind about what do you do in the outfield, but which is good. Uh, we'll bring Sean in here, who's also a super subscriber. Ooh, shout but, out to Sean. Yeah. Oh, we just we forgot about a trade that they've made already. I, Alex Degotti um, just got traded to the Twins. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it's ever too early. Um, Sean's in here. Marlins after dark host. How are we doing tonight? Hey, doing great. Um, you know, and first off, so you said it. You said it's three dollars a day, right, for that subscriber submission. It's three dollars a month. A month. Right? And, and, no one, and, and not every dollars a day. Everyone hasn't fun. signed up yet. That's insane. The people, not everyone has signed up yet for three dollars a month. That's crazy. <laughs> but um, I don't really have a question. I just gotta. I guess. I want to more publicly, I just own my loss on my picks for the weekend. Very pleasantly surprised they were able to win this series. Um, one thing I was you know, really looking for from this club this year, I, I had questions going into this week about the bottom three options in the rotation, you know, how they were going to look third time through, and I had questions about the bench being able to you know, pick the team up. Winning teams, you, you see them win games like Friday, like a couple of one of those games in the Philly series too where you're you've got guys filling in and they pick up the win for the club and you haven't seen the Marlins do that the last few you know been able to do that the last few seasons and just being able to win a game like Friday it definitely just I think it says a lot about the changing character changing approach in the clubhouse I'm just I'm really excited with that and also just the efforts from Cabrera Rogers and Garrett this week too you know Take up the rotation when you know when Sandy struggles, um, when you need wins from other other guys on the team. It's just it's good stuff to see. Yeah, we didn't talk about Trevor. <laughs> he looked pretty good on on Friday. I think it Trevor was. Trevor might be back. He, he just looked confident again. That's the one thing I've been saying in the offseason. That was the one thing I feel like really needed him last year. Um, he looked like himself. He looked like he was like really, really, really comfortable. Um, I want more of that. As a guy, I'm, I'm really, really, really root for. Um, yeah, he, he looked really good. Um, Edward got some stuff down. Um, he had a shaky first two starts. That, that location was, was really bad. 
but he pitched what Friday? No, he pitched. No, no, he, he pitched, pitched in the, the Philly, Philly series. series. That's right. That's yeah, right. But, yeah, the final game. Yeah, I didn't get to watch a single game in the Philly series. That's why I couldn't remember. But um, yeah, he um, he looked a lot better. Um, it was only two run runs. Yeah, I mean, and then of course Braxton. So yeah, rotation's been been fun. Yeah, and that also makes it a hard question because if Braxton keeps this up. What do you do with with Cueto, who you signed to a pretty nice contract for him at his age? So that's going to be a question. Will, will they just convert him to a leave? Cueto might still be a ways away. Exactly, and I, that's obviously once we get to that point in the season. If Brax, that's why I said if Brax keeps it up, I think that'll be a question to ask. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, so no questions, Sean. Any other questions, Romeo? We do have other requests, so we'll bring some more people in here. Any other questions from? You two are, are super subscriber ambassadors, we should say. That's a good. That's a good title for them. But I'll yeah, just you point guys out. Have really been preaching it the most. Yeah, I'll just uh like endorse. I'll just uh exactly what Sean brought up about the depth of the rotation. That was a big reason, at least for my personal optimism about this team, is thinking this is finally the year where the rotation was going to be great, and not just at the top end, not just for a couple turns, but that consistently. They would get quality start after quality start during certain hot streaks in there. And that was thinking that Braxton was like legitimately the kind of pitcher we saw last year. He had that mini breakout, you could call it. And I thought that was legit. I thought Edward Cabrera has, he's so difficult to square up that even when he has control issues that he could give you um, really good production whenever he's on the mound. And with Trevor, I think everybody assumed that there'd be some sort of improvement from last year that do simply better than what he showed um, in 2022. And uh, so far that is in, in this past start, it was extremely encouraging against a, a pretty good D-backs team. So we're going to have this rotation in place for at least the next few weeks, as you alluded to Cueto just getting started with that throwing progression. He had a, I think he had a bullpen session yesterday and there will probably be one more of those, and then the simulated game, and then he, got, he needs to get stretched out. So his return will come sometime in May. But that leaves us several turns of the rotation with this current group in between, and I think this current group gives them a, a really good chance to win almost every night. 100%. We've got some requests now. Love to answer as many of your guys' questions as possible. Uh, our, our friend Kyle Green here has been waiting for a minute. Uh, I think this, this might be a first-time caller. I'm starting to getting a gauge on who likes to speak in these news and doesn't. Um, we feel like I have a different crowd every week, but uh, Kyle, how are we doing? Um, uh, what's your question for us? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, just before I say, I just want to say, uh, we are so blessed to have so many great pitchers and pitching prospects in this organization. Like, oh my God, I feel like you can just go down and look at all the pitchers we have in the majors and then throughout all the minor league systems. And I, you know, you got at least one guy that you just, you know, who you just look at and you just love in every single, you know, in just every single division, which is something great. But I was just kind of wondering, because I'm not, you know, somebody who's like really well-versed. Um, from the eye test, he looks good, but how, how does, is Jazz kind of looking, like with the adjustment to center field? Uh, you know, it seems like every once in a while, you know, he's making some good plays. He's making some plays that maybe he's not looking so great on, but, you know, just from an outsider who's not really 100% versed on it. He's looking like he's making a good adjustment. I was wondering what you guys thought on that. He's looked better as of late today. He made a nice play. And I, and I think I saw this thread on Twitter. Eli, if you want to maybe put it up on the 
featured tweets. That was, there was one. Yeah, that's from Mike Petriello, and it was pointing yeah. out something that we'd actually discussed on fishology between me, Louis Adio Weiss, and Daniel yeah. Rodriguez about how there have already been individual plays that he that are difficult plays in terms of how much ground he has to cover and how quickly he has to get there. Um, he made a couple of those back in the Mets series that was in New York, those diving plays. And this one, maybe you didn't catch it in real time because it wasn't a diving play. He got such a good jump on it that he responded so quickly and then he ran in the right direction that he was able to make the play and make it without leaving his feet. And that's the type of play that you think is most unlikely for him to make. Um, in my observation, he looks really good at coming in on balls and that he, I see him struggle more so when he has to go back on balls and because that is such an, a foreign thing for somebody that played their infield in the infield their entire professional career to that point. And the play he made today, if you go by the catch probability, it was the most impressive play that he's made so far. It was a play that only 25% of the time do they think center fielders are able to make that play given the amount of time. And that was kind of like a line drive directly to his side, maybe a little bit back. I think all things considered, um, he is trending in the right direction. Like the most egregious mistakes he made were during spring training. Like after opening day in that opening series, there were a few um, poor plays that he made, but um, I think generally it, it is trending in a really nice direction. As the goal for him is to be somewhere within shouting distance of an average defensive center fielder. That itself would be a win. That itself would be an improvement over what they had last year to say nothing of all the offense that we think he'll provide compared to the offense they got from their center fielders uh, last year. It is, uh, I'm cautiously optimistic about how this is going to go. Um, yeah. Moving forward. Yeah. I feel yeah. like jazz also needs to go down a fourth of a cap size. Every single time he goes to make a play, his half falls off. I get nervous. Feel like it's yeah, dude, that's play. what I've noticed. Always every single play this guy makes where he just, he, he might need to go pretty down fast. That size. Just, just yeah. a fourth or even an eighth. Just make yes. sure something can stay on your head. It was him now, and then it was Franklin Sanchez and Spring Training, but we're not talking about that. So we'll, we'll keep going. Uh, yeah, good, good, good question, Kyle. Um, oh, Alex Crutchison here. What's up, Alex? Hey, guys. Hey, guys. I just wanted to, to check in about the jazz stuff. I noticed in Spring Training, and, and I don't know if you guys said this uh, shortly before I joined, one of the things I noticed most about in Spring Training was Jazz wasn't just working with coaches. He was working with his fellow outfielders, and it wasn't just in spring training. It was even before camp came in. Uh, that, that was the first sign that I saw that this guy is going to figure it out. The other thing that I saw a lot of people say, at least on Twitter, uh, was, you know, you can't just wake up one day and become an elite center fielder. And I tend to agree with that because it's very hard athletically to play that position. Um, not to toot my own horn, but, I mean, we all know what kind of athlete jazz is, so I felt like that, you know, that mindset didn't really apply to him. I think he is the kind of guy that can wake up and not immediately, but eventually become a above-average center fielder because he already has the tools. And you saw that today on, on the catch that Eli mentioned. Um, it wasn't a diving play, but he covered a lot of ground very quickly because he's always had that athleticism in him. 100%. 100%. He stepped up to that job. He's a very, very athletic guy. Um, it, we did say this is kind of a prove it season for Jazz. He's got to back up all the hype around him. Um, the, the, the show cover athlete. Um, he, he's had a lot of talk. His pin tweet says nine war. Um, so, yeah, I feel like he is getting into a good place. It's only a matter of time before 
he starts breaking out on offense. And last year, he was the life of the Marlins offense. So I, I feel like the Jazz breakout on offense is coming soon. So hopefully, um, hopefully he can he can get it going. But um, but Kyle is a good question. Thank you. Um, if you got any more, um, feel free to request again. We actually have a decent amount of speakers requested. So uh, we'll get we'll try to get to everyone here tonight. Um, we got Ryan coming in. Um, I believe he spoke one of the, the last ones. Um, real quick about like the questions and stuff too. I knew I said that I was going to do a, a mailbag article uh, because I believe early last with your guys' questions. I only got two. So if you guys have any more, um, I will do that at some point soon. Um, I'll, I'll be there um, Saturday at, um, at the progressive field. So we'll definitely have a lot of content to work on throughout the week. So if you have any questions, shoot me a DM or something. And uh, I still want to do that. But without further ado, uh, Ryan, how are we doing? And uh, what, what's your question for us? Yeah, I'm doing really good. And I just wanted to ask you guys, uh, what are, well, I haven't been in this space, so I don't know which you've asked, uh, what you guys have already been asked, because I just joined this, what, like eight minutes ago. But I was just wondering, what are you guys' thoughts on uh, Jacob Stallings? Because, you know, he's not off to the best start offensively. And just I'm kind of just talking about the whole catcher situation with Stallings and Fortes, but... Uh, Stallings was terrible last season in the first half. He got going a tiny bit in the second half, and he's not off to the best start. Obviously, he's there for his defense, but uh, do you guys think that Stallings could uh, stick in Miami through the whole season, or will he get dealed at the deadline, or or your just your thoughts in general on the future of uh, Stallings and Fortes with this team, and if Fortes could emerge as a clear starter at some point if his defense improves even more this is a good question and we have talked about it we talked about the possibility privately and publicly of jacob stallings not making it through the season in miami i hate to be a downer because he is a really good guy um really really good human i want him to succeed a lot but um he keeps playing like this and the reason for keeping him is because that sandy battery and his defense um yeah i feel like you got to let him go because he's not doing anything well right now. Fortes has been off to an awesome, awesome, awesome start behind the dish. And um, Paul McIntosh has been doing well down in the minors as well. And I, I think and this may be biased because we, we love ourselves some PMAC, but I, I think the, the Marlins catcher duo next year going into opening day will be Fortes and McIntosh. That, that could be biased, but um, yeah, Songs is a guy that, you can afford to, to let go because he's not on a massive contract. He's still on control. Um, we have made our own lists every single Fish Types member did for uh, DFA candidates this year. And a lot of us had Stallings on it if he's not able to get it together. So um, I'll let the other guys speak on it. But I'd say there's a strong possibility now, knowing what we know the start of the season, that he might not make it till October. I think the other candidate you could mention here is will banfield to possibly make his debut at some point he was was it 2018 he was drafted yeah i was drafted 2018 so at some point you got to see him make that debut um he's basically he's very good defensively we saw we've seen him we saw him catch dax fulton we saw him catch yuri he's looked good offensively he had a nice end of the season with uh pensacola uh, if he just can produce the bat, man, a consistent bat, or he could just get on base at a decent rate, make something happen offensively, he could definitely push his way up to the big leagues. Um, yeah, and then with, with Fortes and Stallings, uh, it's such a weird situation with Stallings because he catches Sandy, basically. That's literally the only pitcher he's catching, and maybe maybe Luzardo every once in a while. 
and then I knew you could call Cueto, but I mean, Fortes is basically catching everyone else. You could basically say Fortes is the primary catcher right now because Stallings is basically uh, Sandy's personal catcher, and that's about it. Uh, but uh, Fortes did catch Sandy once in spring training. I would like to see Fortes catch him a couple other times because Fortes, I don't, is obviously the better offensive player. And if he could continue, if he could just catch Sandy and catch him well, I think that's something we have to keep an eye out on. And at some point, maybe see Sandy. Yeah, this is a good point. Stallings sure. the DFA. Yeah, it's a good point. And, uh, you know, if Sandy's struggles do continue, maybe a, a slight change of scenery um, pitching to a new guy could help him. Uh, I don't. I feel like Stallings has called a few good games this year for Sandy, but um, if it really comes down to it, I, I think you could definitely see that maybe start to happen. I don't know. Again, it's, it's early. Stallings uh, is good for maybe one or two, like, really, really, really good two-week stretches at the plate, and then all of a sudden he'll fall back down the earth um, or wherever you even consider him to be right now. He may be below the earth. But, um, yeah, um, it's definitely a strong possibility. I think Eli had something to, to say about it too. Yeah, I, I wanted to just politely fight back against some things that Kevin just said. My guy, Will Banfield, he's got a 260 career on-base percentage in the minors, man. He had a 258 I, 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 last year. Last year, which was his like big breakout, was a 258. I know. Not career. He is he is very similar. I'll say that he is of a similar mold to Stallings. He's going exactly. to give you the defense. Yeah. I, I just don't think the bat's going to be there. I don't think you have to see him in the big leagues. You you don't unless you um unless there's an opening. Unless there is an opening. And I just don't see him as a force the way into the big leagues type of guy. I think he's somebody that you just wait for a certain number of injuries and then he's somebody worth throwing out there just because I do like him defensively. The key difference between him defensively and Stallings is his arm. He's got a really good arm, a very accurate arm. Um, he does. Yeah. And, he, yeah. and even though his success rate of people stealing against him is pretty high, I, I think that has more to do with the pitchers that he's working with. I think in a vacuum, he is uh, he's going to do a better job in that aspect as a pro moving forward. And, and yeah, and also with PMAC, I think he, he's a major league hitter. I, I just don't think he is much of a major league catcher once he gets this level. Um, he's going. He can help you there in emergencies. It's just not going to. I don't think it's going to be uh, the majority of his playing time or the majority of major league playing time. In it shows a lot that you talked about these double A guys and not the triple A catchers because you know, the triple A catchers aren't particularly <laughs> sexy with Austin Allen we and Santiago Chavez. That's that really is why Stallings has a pretty secure spot on this team is because the alternatives. Um, if if in my opinion, with, with PMAC most likely spending more of his time at first base or in left field moving forward, there's just not a real clear candidate for this year that is knocking down the door for playing time at this point. But it has been discouraging from Stallings that it, it does look pretty similar to, as Ryan mentioned, the first half of last year, where it's no doubt it's a weakness of this team. And uh, maybe there re- is a point where they do reduce his playing time for the time being. It is a pretty even split in playing time between him and Fortes. And the only reason why I think Fortes might have a slight edge is because Stallings had that minor injury um, issue. I think it was his back. It was something that was tightening up on him that he missed a few days. When healthy, they seemed determined to play him a lot. And this is another position that they thought they addressed. There was a lot of excitement about the trade to get Stallings. And there's been excitement at at times about what Fortes has done. I just think overall, like this is a position that the Marlins don't have a very clear answer for 
long-term yet. And so you hope that Fortes like takes another step forward this year to reclaim that. I think for the moment, to me, um, I think this is still a, a position of concern about this team moving forward. Eli, did you see um, did you see uh, Paul's catch in left field today? Did you see that? No, I did not. I'm going to look he, it up right now. A, he made a flying catch in left field today. Left field. Is that going to be an all-in position all right, for him? So, so they, they said that he's going to play, play it. It was, it, was said, it was said that he will play it once a week, which is pretty, yeah. pretty much what he has done. So that was the question that I actually had that Kevin asked to the coaching staff, and Kevin Randall said that he will play it once a week. And the interesting part about that is before now – and last year, he did not play any other position other than catcher and DH. And now they're starting to explore other positions for McIntosh. And I think he has the – he's a bigger guy, but I think he has the athleticism to to play other positions, whether it be left field or first base. And I think he showed that – or started to show it at least in his um, limited time out there so far. So I think what Eli said is definitely true, that this is his bat is definitely a lot closer than his defense. So you want to get that bat here, yeah, but you want to get him at the right spot. So they're starting to explore other positions for him. Um, and uh, that's definitely an interesting factor to include in Paul McIntosh's development. Is it Usually he's in here listening to these spaces. Surprised he's not in here. The one time we, we really hone in on his position, he's not here. Kind of funny. But real quick, got a text from Alex Crutching, and he uh, he asked uh, about something about Stallings. It was um, that how much of a factor do we think Stallings really has the game caller? How I mean, he is a good game caller, but how much? Does that really help, and, and is it worth it? So what are your guys' thoughts on that? I feel like it's a pretty good question, a fair one to ask. Okay, so may, maybe he might not be that good if no one has any thoughts about it. Wait, what? <laughs> can, what can was the question? He worded it weird, and I read it weird. So he wants to know how much – of an impact that's being a good game caller really have on his game right now. You're talking about Stallings, right? Jacob Stallings, yes. Okay, so Stallings' ability to be a good game caller, what impact does that have versus everything else that he does? I, I think that's the question, yeah? Now, that's how he worded it. We'll make that the question. Right now. You have to continue. Uh, yeah, I guess I can, I can go for this. Um, I mean, honestly, with, with – with the impact of technology in baseball with pitchcom and everything else that these guys are doing, uh, there are some guys that still call their own pitches. Um, I think Braxton Garrett is one of them. And there are maybe a couple of other guys that still call their own pitches, um, you know, with signaling and everything else, like the old fashioned way. Um, I would say that it's not a disservice to the team to be able to call pitches and, you know, be able to understand that, Hey, like, you went here first, let's go here next and, and try to throw off this guy's timing and throw off his eye level. And so I, that's definitely, there's always going to be a service for that in Major League Baseball. But with the advancement of technology, I would say that it's 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 not as important as it used to be, is what I would say. Um, and then everything else that Stallings does, where he's a hole in the lineup pretty much with the bat outside of maybe a hot streak or two that he gets on. Um, it's 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 a guy that I was very excited for when he got here, but I am I'm very very quickly dwindling in my um in my expectations for for Jacob Stallings, especially with with Fortes and the way that he hits and the importance of off that offense is to this Marlins team right now. Um, yeah, it, it's very hard to defend the fact that Jacob Stallings is still being run out there on the occasions that he is. But uh, I would say that in his age and in his years and where he is in his career, he could be a, a very valuable backup. 
Uh, I think it should be Fortes on most occasions, though, is what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Ryan, thanks for that question. We do have more requests, so I, I don't want to spend too long on one topic. But excellent question. One that I was very surprised that no one actually asked today, but given that Jacob Sullivan yeah. did play today. Um, All right. Thank, thank you. If you got any more, we'll go ahead and request. Uh, we'll move on here. Um, our guy Brian here has been, been waiting for a minute. We'll bring him in. Uh, so, Brian, how are we doing? And, uh, and what's your question for us? Once he loads in, I believe it's going to go. Oh, Romeo's got his hands up. Make, make it real quick, Romeo. Make it real quick. Oh, no. Nah. I feel like my question is it's more to uh, finish the, to Alex. Is it true that 6 touched over 95? Like, <laughs> I knew this was coming at some point. Because yeah. I'm the I'm the only one that ever breaks the ice. It, it, is, it is how it is. In these I forgot about that. I'm not going to lie to you. All right, we're going to touch on this really quick. Talk to some people. Send some DMs. Sounded like he actually did. I don't know much else about his outing, but his velo was high. It was one this, this is this is a completely Carver question. This is as, Carver. as much as you trust me, Romeo. As much as if you trust me, uh, if you trust what I say on Twitter and and in my articles and stuff, you can trust Daniel Devivo. Um, Daniel Devivo made that report. Uh, it is true that he was up to as high as ninety seven on the backfields. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we won't spend too much time on that, but yeah, we we can pretty much confirm he did indeed touch ninety seven. We don't know many other details about that, about pitches, location, anything like that. Um, maybe one of us can reach out to Daniel or whoever else was in Jupiter. But we've got Brian in here, so Brian, um, how are we doing? And uh, what's your question? Uh, good guys, thank you guys for all the covering you guys do for the team and the whole organization in total. Um, I wanted to ask, so um, uh, extended spring training. And Jose Iglesias, right? I know that I also read that he was in extended um, spring training, still doing some uh, games there. How long does that last? And is there a point where he has to be, like, at least in a minor league roster here coming soon? Um, I He could be in there as long as... Kevin's going to give you a biased answer on this one. I'm not going to give you a biased answer. He could be, <laughs> as much as I want him up in the big leagues, he could be there as long as he needs. And he's been there for a while. I mean... <laughs> At some point, you're going to see him probably go up to AAA. I don't think there's a deadline. Carver would know more on the extended spring training if there's deadlines or stuff or something. But from what I know, there's no deadline, and he could be there as long as he needs. And that's where he is. I mean, we saw the picture there the other day. Yeah. Uh, I I heard Richard Rodriguez was also in Jupiter, so that's what I know about him. That's the most I could say right now. That's really all I know. And Archie Bradley, I still don't know, and that's what you guys have to see? wait on. Do you guys think the, the trading Alex Degotti is a reason that maybe uh, Jose Iglesias is probably going to head to Jacksonville soon and maybe take one of those spots? No. That's what I, I, I think it's the other way around. I know it's, it's easy to see all these trades from Marlon's perspective. The reason why that trade happened is because the Twins lost Kyle Farmer. I don't know if you saw it. He got busted up in the face by a hit-by-pitch. and th- That trade happens like less than 24 hours later. That's why the Twins really desperately needed some infield depth, and that's why they were willing to pay cash for a guy in Zagati that Marlins may have been just ready to release anyway. Um, but with Iglesias, I, I do expect him to be at AAA soon. Um, in terms of deadlines, um, on Iglesias' ends, he has opportunities to opt out of his contract and into free agency if um, he thinks there's a better opportunity for playing time. I don't think he... He's, it's not his. I don't think he is necessarily trying to delay this as long as possible because he makes a lot more money if he's on the big league roster than he is at extended spring training. 
right now. He has all the motivation to uh, get back up if he's healthy. And it's a good sign to like see him confirmed to be playing in those games this past weekend. Um, so I'd be surprised if within the next week he's not up at AAA at the very least. Um, the deadline that I was referring to is on May 1st and then again on June 1st. Those are days where he could opt out if he feels he isn't getting an opportunity here and he's got a better shot at reaching the bigs with another organization. So it was very, it was weird that we didn't really hear much on him the previous two weeks. Uh, I, I think we're closer to getting to the other end of that. We're pretty soon he should be in official games at the AAA level. Yeah, the, the video that I saw is fine. Um, he looks fine. Uh, that's Iglesias. Um, he looks pretty much ready to go. I, I would expect, and this is a, this is just my expectation, nothing official. I would expect that he gets promoted to to AAA rather quickly and is a regular in their lineup, whether it be on the infield, DH, wherever that, wherever it may be, right? So uh, I don't think the Degati thing went into it very much. What I will say about that, I'll give you a slight behind the scenes on that, um, is that Degati is 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 very very very. Um, I guess determined to to get back to to the major leagues. So um, he's twenty. He's going on twenty nine years old. Um, so that also may may have gone into that equation in terms of like why they traded him for cash the way that they did. And then as Eli said, going to the Twins and they need the help. You know that that could go into it as well for the depth. Um, it's not a good offensive player. It's a very good defensive player. So uh, yeah, just just as a depthier guy, um, I think it's a better spot for him uh, in Minnesota rather than than with Miami. So happy for him. I met his family during during the spring. They're very nice people. And um, local kid. Uh, grew up here in Miami, so uh, I wish him the best. Can I just squeeze in one more, like just one last question? Yeah, of course. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I also read like a few weeks ago that we signed, um, you know, I want to get into the depth of the bullpen here, just in the organization in general. Uh, the Cuban uh, pitcher, Ronald Bolaños, and I know that he was like, up and down, I think, AAA in the major leagues, you know, in past seasons. I still see that he hasn't broken into any roster yet, not even with Jacksonville. Do you guys have any, like, insight on that or when we could see him in the bullpen, at least for Jacksonville? It's a good they question. Just... There was another um, high-profile bullpen signing this week. The Marlins did sign Archie Bradley. Uh, I think we forgot to mention that. Yeah, I completely one. forgot that happened. So, yeah, the Marlins are load up with some more bullpen pieces but um i don't know that might be an alex carver question since it's more of a minor league thing but yeah some recent minor league deals to uh some bullpen guys up uh, cool to see i'm actually you know what i'll ask about bolognos now i'll see what's up with him because i know hey, who to ask Kevin, Kevin knows some some cubans that are plugged in on, on that stuff so he'll definitely I'm, give you an answer i'm also of of mind that he is also around in extended spring training to answer this question that's all i have um i don't have anything on the stuff i don't have anything on how he looks but i do know that he is present in uh extended spring training they made the signing official so yeah you could assume he's in spring training or somewhere yeah do we have any more updates on the archie bradley thing i know I asked about... and jordan did report it i assumed that they both got it from the team so i would imagine it's it's going to happen, or at least be announced at some point, but it hasn't already. I asked yesterday about Bradley, and I didn't. I that one, I was still waiting for an assignment, is what I was told. Where do you guys think he'll start? Triple Jacksonville. Okay. Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, my guess. This is a guess. My guess would definitely. If he's in double, I'll be very like. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm with the experience. He's got to go to bring it to the major league bullpen at some point. Archie Bradley was a top guy not that long ago 
or the red streak was, was 2020 yeah. and they gave up a lot of talent i think he was a oh what do you get he got non-tendered that same off season and he's been kind of fighting injuries since but that playoff we won't talk about high reward signing for the marlins we've talked about how great the bullpen has been too he would be awesome to, to have breakthrough at some point this season don't know when but it would be cool to see yeah, I was looking at Archie Bradley, and um, this may seem like a weird comp, but at this stage of his career, he's kind of transformed into a poor man's Dylan Floro. Like he's not a power pitcher anymore. His ground ball rate the past few years has been extremely high, and he has been Wait, using ground ball rate. You're speaking my language, Eli. Hold on, Wait, I gotta listen. He is. Uh, he's shifted over a lot more usage to his sinker instead of just being heavy on his four seam. He has reinvented himself. He's not going to get back to being the pitcher he was five, six years ago, early in his D-backs career. Uh, I think he could still be uh, pretty useful. And it was a little surprising that he didn't have a contract already signed entering the season um, because he is healthy at this point. And I think he'd been healthy for a while. He just was probably holding out for a deal that didn't come now having to settle for a minor league one. So but, well, both him and Balanios. Gotta learn how to pronounce that one, but both of them, yeah, you should be seeing them in Jacksonville pretty soon. All right, so I was just told Bolaños is in Jupiter and he threw a bullpen today along with Johnny Cueto. So there's your good update. You might want to tweet that one. That's good. I will. All right, well, well, Brian, good questions. You slipped in Johnny Cueto throwing throwing a bullpen. How'd you sneak it in? Oh, I was just told. Yeah, and the team had already, you know, mentioned that was the plan. They, for they mentioned that though, right? I assume they did. That's why I. Yeah, that was on a Saturday. That was a non-Noah hours. But Kevin just got uh, the yeah, update, yeah. so he's he's got he's got the news, man. That's that's what that's what we rely he, on, Kevin. I didn't see any tweets about it. That's why I was surprised as well. But Kevin I mean, just got the I just got a picture of it too. Kevin blog <laughs> sources. All right, yeah, Brian. Thank you once again. Uh, we we have one more. Request here. Anyone else who wants to ask a question, uh, well, go ahead. It's been a really good question tonight. Um, well, Sean's got his hand up. Sean, go go real quick on this one, kind of like we did with with Romeo. Well, we bring hey, everyone FJ here. Yeah, yeah, real baby. quick. Just uh, any thoughts? I talked to Eli and Alex about this on Friday, but any thoughts from the rest of you on the minor burning down of the internet on Barkman Gate in terms of media promotion? <laughs> Oh, I, don't I, on, I, don't, I don't want to step on the tub. Oh, oh my we'll God. Seriously? <laughs> I, I mean, think we should stay away from that topic. Let's, we'll, we'll maybe come back to that one if there's time. That's uh, that's a touchy topic given the history of it over the years. So uh, we have time. We'll come back to that. Uh, might have to roll for that one. Me, I might, might want to stay away from that one. All right. FJ, how are we doing tonight? And uh, what's your question? Doing pretty great, man. I, uh, I was trying to see Sixto uh, throw 97 the other day and try to get verification for it uh, as a nationally recognized uh, Marlins journalist. But, uh, you know, they wouldn't let me in, which is okay, I guess. But I'm trying to see how are we all feeling about a little Garrett Hampson right now after uh, kind of repenting for his previous sins at the plate uh, over the past couple weeks yesterday. How are we feeling? Wait, is this, is this Alex Ferrer, like, incognito here? Like, what is this? The no, this is like, that <laughs> stuff. Oh, that's crazy. We should I knew I heard I knew I heard a bit of voice modulation. Yeah. AI's getting pretty good, man. Yeah. So how are we feeling about Garrett, man? As I mean, we we, we spoke about him. We spoke about him I think right when we started, but he 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 provides the defensive versatility that this team needs right now, especially with yeah. Wendell out. 
Um, I mean, you, you can't always rely on the bat, but if you need someone late in the game, you know, never hurts to throw him out there and see what he can do. I mean, obviously, they put him in the lineup yesterday and <laughs> he hit a homer to tie the game. So nice to see what he's doing. I wouldn't put too much stock into him, but definitely someone that's nice that could probably play you, you know, defense, you know, outfield, infield. Doesn't hurt to have. Yeah, I love it. And Kevin, congrats on getting the interview skipped. That's pretty cool, man. And uh, I know last time I was here, I was kind of pushing some C-Shack uh, propaganda. And I was wondering if you maybe got the chance to whisper a little, maybe bring Steve C-Shack back into him. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I told him very quickly right after. Don't worry. Okay, I got you. Appreciate it. Looking forward to that article about that. Hoping uh, we yep. can get a veteran deal done. Awesome. Thank you. you. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, th- thank you for your question. Uh, you have a good night here. Um, so, you know, no more requests. Uh, we'll do last call and request. I, I guess we'll talk about the, the Bartman thing real quick. Um, I, I don't know what went into that. I don't know much about PR and marketing. I, I am in journalism school, but I'm more on the reporting side. I don't know what went into that, but um, the, the Marlins are claiming it's a mishap. What are our thoughts about that that email? That was only sent out to a select number of people, I feel like. I'm signed up for those promotional emails, too, and I didn't get it. So, um, right. And there are a lot of people, because Alex Carver was the first one to tweet, a lot of people thought that he made that graphic himself and is a, is a fan account of the team and rather than a minor league reporter. I saw some really, really, really weird replies to both him and, uh, and Daniel Rodriguez's tweets about it. So, uh, yeah, it's a, a weird, weird, weird situation. That series is coming up. Um, so we'll, the 20, or 2003 NLCS celebration. What, what are our thoughts on the, well, the email? Well, I got, uh, just as, as an aside, um, I got, all, for all the wrong reasons, <laughs> this was one of the most popular tweets that I ever sent, um, and I got some very displeased Cubs fans sending me DMs, messages, um, accusing me of doing this, and it was an email that the team sent. It, apparently, it was done in error per Andy Slater in the report that he had. Um, they've since corrected it. Um and, and made it something else. Um, but what I would say for this is something that me and Eli both talked about together is that um, this has happened uh, in the past. Um, the thing with the, the Mets weekend where it's like calling all Mets fans, go purchase your tickets because they're playing the Braves and the playoffs were implicated and stuff like that. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, are they just conducting a litmus test? Like, what are they doing with this? I, who knows? Um, they say it was a mistake. I, I totally believe them. Um, you know, that, that it was just uh, something they were thinking about doing. They accidentally sent it. That's that's what they're saying that it was. So I have no other reason, you know, to, to, to say that that's not true. So um, that's what Andy's report was. Um, Andy is well-connected, as you guys know. So um, that's what they said. They, they redid it. Uh, they resent it. And um, and now it's it's a little bit different. Um, and the, the apartment stuff is out of it. So. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, it's, it's definitely interesting. It's definitely a topic uh, of conversation, as, as Sean talked about. Um, it's unfortunately a lot of the conversation that's going on around the Marlins right now is surrounding that. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't really know what else to say other than that uh, regarding it. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I made the report that I did based off an email that I got. Uh, it wasn't me that did it. Uh, for those of the, those people that are listening to well, me, that, really that, are, that are hating me, so to find the, the Marlins font and and uh, layers they use. Exactly. Graphics. Yeah, yeah, and and to send it from the the verified account of Major League Baseball would have been very impressive. So, right. uh, 
yeah, uh, if it was a mistake, that's that's where we're at with it. Uh, that's all I'll say. I, I don't really have anything else. Well, my, no, my, my quick comment. opinion on this is I feel like that also downplays just how well the Marlins played down the stretch in that series. I mean, the Cubs blew a 3-1 lead in that series. I wasn't alive for that at the time. I was born the year they won the, that World Series. But you know, I feel like that really downplays just how good that team was down the stretch and how well they played during that series just from the the, the YouTube um, highlights and game recaps I've, I've had to go back and, and watch. I'm sure Kevin has the same thing because he and I both share the fact that we did not get to experience either one of the Marlins World Series. Yeah, I'm not going to comment too much, but yeah, I think it was just a mistake. We move on and uh, we celebrate 2003 next week. Right. What it is, what the team attempts to do is create these sub mailing lists out of people that attended or ideally fans that bought tickets to previous meetings between these teams. Um, A lot of the the majority of the people that received this email were Cubs fans that attended the previous Cubs Marlins games in Lone Depot Park, I guess last year or even in previous years. Um, It somehow gets tangled with if you're media and maybe if you covered games between those teams at some point in recent years, there, like, I don't think Carver was supposed to be on that list and neither was Daniel, uh, our guy who got the same email. It somehow, it gets a little complicated. It's not as clear divide as they would like. Ideally they were targeting just Cubs fans and, um, even that was a big mistake. You know, <laughs> they, those were the ones that were even more outraged about the way that this was presented than coming from Marlon's perspective. It, it took me after like seeing enough of those opinions. That's when I kind of, my opinion shifted from seeing this as something that was kind of funny to seeing that it really, I came to think that this was a pretty bad error in judgment to make in consider to try to put the focus on somebody that was, not involved for either of those teams in that series um, and putting the focus on him unfairly and against his own wishes for somebody that as the farther he gets away from this. And now that the Cubs have won their own world series, um, he, he doesn't want any, he doesn't want this publicity. And uh, I thought it was kind of a low blow to go after him. Just a really strange situation and that it reached some outside its target audience, and that is also sent two weeks ahead of time. So that just shows you that they were kind of marketing to potentially some people out of town, that would, Cubs fans that would travel potentially to see that series between these teams. All in all, just a very messy job. And um, they, they did their best, as Carver alluded to, they had a, a makeup message that just says, party like it's 2003. That's now the new messaging for the same series. Instead of Steve Bartman Appreciation Weekend, it's party like it's 2003. Yeah. The, the last thing I'll say on this, and this is going to be it for me. Um, I know my my tweet, unfortunately, for all the wrong reasons, went went insane. Uh, I know it was featured in a lot of different areas, which again, it's not what I tried to do. I literally saw an email, I screenshotted it, and 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 it went up. And I know a couple of the rest of us did as well. Kevin and and, and Daniel and other people as well did the same thing. Um, don't attack the messenger is what I would say. Um, I've received very angry direct messages and, and very angry uh, quote tweets from that uh, directed at me. Uh, we're reporters. We report what we see. Uh, we report what's going on going on around this team. Uh, we're doing a job and, and we're trying to to bring information to you guys. So for for those of you guys that may be listening to this that are Cubs fans and that were upset about that, um, it's not um, 
It's not our, our, our intention. Any of us here, Eli, Grant, Kevin, Daniel, Sean, like anybody else to hear that, Lewis, anybody else here that's a reporter, it's not our intention to piss anybody off. We, we see what we see and we report it um, because we're seeing it, you know, when we're seeing it. So, yeah, um, don't get pissed off at reporters. We're doing what we do uh, to bring you guys information. So when I see information and, and I see, you know, messages directed at me that I'm a certain thing and I'm this and I'm that, that's, it's not the right thing to do. Um, just because our, our tweet went a different direction than it was directed. We're trying to bring you guys information. So keep that in mind. When's the next coming out, Carver? When's the next department things coming out from your end? It's a bad question. Yeah, that was really bad. My bad. I thought it was going to be like pretty funny, but no. Shut up, Evan. Go back to daycare. The one time he targets for that. <laughs> yeah, he, he wants you to uh, he wants you to, get, to go to bed. You got school tomorrow. I do. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, it was a nice. It was. It wasn't as funny, but it gave it gave a good chuckle out of me. Um, can we also have people like stop? Are we seeing in between this last two spaces? We've seen like a bunch of stuff. To a motion where we had someone get absolutely cooked by a by a website, uh, my man Drew. I know he he's annoying, but he he, he has a good heart. I think hopefully uh, he was very, he was being very annoying on Twitter. I understand, so I gotta apologize on his part. He got absolutely destroyed by Eli. Um, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask what's WRC plus. Uh, it just didn't it just didn't sound funny and to me. Weird, yeah, just just gonna put put that out there. Just who's, yeah. Who's who's Drew? My man. Uh, it's Drew the eleventh, I think. He's absolutely destroyed by it. He asked him, I bet you don't any of you guys know what WRC plus is, and then he's just an absolute destruction. Oh, Eli. Okay. okay. Very, 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 very bad. Okay. I just didn't know that happened. All right, cool. All right. I think that might be all we've got for tonight. This def- I think this might be our longest one of these that we've ever done. So uh, thank you guys all for, for listening in. Uh, we'll have series uh, prediction streams, series preview streams uh, Monday and uh, Friday. Uh, I will be in Cleveland on Saturday to give you guys some credential coverage for the first time since July of last year. I'm pumped. Um, Sandy versus Beaver should be a really, really, really good game. Um, yeah, go Marlins. Um big week coming up to see if they can stay with this and uh, stay tuned for all fish stripes coverage this week between the uh, series streams, podcasts, um, game recaps. Uh, we've got everything. So um, thank you guys once again, and uh, we'll see you um, hopefully a little bit earlier than this time uh, next week. But yeah, we will see you guys next week for our, our next one of these. So thank you all once again. Peace y'all.